0: what's up family this is jj with the heart of dating podcast you guys we have been crushing some episodes this is episode seven on the mini man so fridays you guys have been so awesome this has been super fun for kate and i to do i mean every single week we have these topics that pop up out of nowhere that all of a sudden get so much traction and then we just say hey Let's do an episode on that. Let's see Let's see if we can get to the bottom of this. Let's see if we can address this in a way that we can call out both sides, what this is hinging on. And more importantly, I think this is what I would say. Our favorite thing to do is to look at both sides of the argument, say, hey, what is this hinging on? Let's see if we can gather around scripture, see what God's word has to say about this. Start there and then get to a place by the end of the episode where we can all look at each other and say, hey, are we in agreement here? Yes, we're in agreement here. Like, let's, let's move forward on a unified front. I think sometimes what I see, especially in today's culture is, and it's kind of bled over into the church, there's massive accountability, which is a tremendously healthy and great thing. We have to hold leaders accountable, churches accountable. I mean, we really want to be as refined as possible. We want the church to be as above reproach as possible. And part of that is accountability. But on the other end of it, I think we should be always working towards something, like working towards unification, working towards redemption, working towards reconciliation. If it's just anger and quench for vengeance, then it's just anger and a quest for vengeance and trying to make it right. And so I, what I love about what we do is we will call out everything and everything, right? We don't shy away, but it's with love. It's with the, it's with the desire for men and women to show up in a way that God has called them to show up. So that's why I love these episodes, these mini It's been super, super awesome. So today on that same note, you know, we've addressed it before, but I thought it'd be a little bit more fun to get into the theology of it and then back out some practicals. What's funny is what does male headship actually look like? You know, this is, (laughs) we're talking about husbands here, right? And this is a episode for singles. So I think, you know, maybe as a reference for the majority of us here today, we're, we're talking about this from a theology point of view, not necessarily a experience point of view. But the hope is for the men listening, you know, these are mansodes. And for the women listening, we both have a really, really healthy biblical understanding of what we're looking for. Because part of that choice in dating, relationship, engagement, and ultimately your partner is you are choosing what that headship is. Looks like? What headship are you attaching yourself to? And we'll get into a little bit of the definitions and the words that Paul is throwing out here. But the objective today is really to arrive at that point where we have a very, very clear idea of what headship actually means. We're going to get a little bit into the egalitarian versus complementarianism and their roles. And from there, I'll let you guys kind of decide on which side of the fence you stand on. But I think regardless of what you do stand on, The point is we're always pointing back to Christ, and that's where I'm like really at the end of the day, you know, whichever camp you fall in, like, well, if you're trying to mimic Christ and his behavior and what he's done, it it doesn't really matter in some ways. Now, we're not going to be talking about female leadership in the pulpit today, and this is also a mini-show. We're going to give our best effort to cover some of this, but again, we could quite literally spend hours and hours here talking about the anecdotal evidence of, you know, the greek at the time what he might have met, what he could have meant some of these certain keywords and lexicons that he uses, like what was the actual historic significance? But we're just going to do our best to kind of give you guys a uh, a lighter summary today and give you the choice of where you stand. Okay, that's it. So Intro Topics Season 10's been killing it. If you guys have any more recommendations, you guys have been sending this through, we are all for it. Speaking of which, before we jump in today, congratulations if you guys made it this far. I just want to say, especially for the fellas, yo, where where have you guys been in my DMs? Where are y'all? I'm like, for some reason, we had a ton of guys sending DMs in the first season, and it's like been crickets. It's been a lot of women, if anything. So I want you fellas, whatever questions you guys have, I love the testimonials. Trust me, keep those coming. Those are great shots for my ego. Just kidding, but not really. (laughs) Uh, Hey, if you guys have a question, like hit me up. I I am here. I check all these DMs. I really want to help you guys. I really want to serve you guys. So just whatever it is, like we're in the trust tree here. Okay, hit me up. I got you. A great example is this. I did have a friend the other day ask me, he's dating. Um, He's very much into like talking, dating. You know, they quite literally haven't been on a first date yet, but there's two girls at his church or separate churches that he's been getting to know. And there's obviously a little bit of chemistry building as they have been serving alongside of each other, which I love. And for one of them, he asked me, he goes... When it comes to spiritual maturity, is it okay to wait? Like, what do you do if they love Jesus, but they're maybe a recent and a new Christian and they're learning a lot about him? So maybe they're spiritually not quite as mature as you'd like, but they're growing. Such a good question. Such a good question. And for this friend, and what I told him, I said, Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> You know, are you in a rush? Are you okay dating or even just getting to know her, not even dating and being patient for six months, a year, a year and a half until she really grows? Because as you and I both know, and he's a very firm believer, singleness is the time for you to get to know Jesus and to heal and redeem and discover your vision and your passion in the kingdom, not dating. Not engagement, not marriage. Singleness is that time. So I asked him, first of all, for her and dating, do you feel like dating her would amplify her walking God? And it would amplify yours as well? Or would you just be pastoring her? Right? That's a great question to wrestle with. And the second one, back to it, how much time do you have? If you have time and you want to patiently wait, and go for it. It's totally up to you. But the whole point here is, Ideally, we want to be dating someone who's running the same race at the same pace as us that we don't have to go in there and coerce them or encourage them or challenge them, you know, to run faster. Like that kind of happens, but the point is that should be done out of their own choice, hopefully before you got there. Now, obviously, as you guys grow together, you'll naturally challenge each other, but that's really what I told him. And so it's a great question for you guys listening out there. You're always evaluating the faith and the maturity of the person that you're dating in a very respectful way. And my biggest thing for you guys is the month before I met Kate, I had been dating a girl for a couple months. Wonderful girl, very kind, very sweet. But spiritually, she loved God, but like she just wasn't at the same place. Not that she was less faithful, or more faithful, more Christian, less Christian than me. She just wasn't at the same pace and maybe that hunger for God that I desired in my spouse. And that for me was like, hey, I, I wish you the best. And I really hope that after us dating, you have a great taste of godly community and what that looks like. But, you know, for this and for us, like, I think it's better to just remain friends because I, I just... I don't think that this is it like I don't think it's best for you to date me and also kind of start to figure this out for yourself and for me and the person I want to really pursue towards marriage and a relationship I don't want to have to convince them and a month later I meet Kate so we did an episode when to walk away go check that out it's kind of filled with those lessons so I'm going to go ahead and jump in that was a long intro but I hope it was fun so here we go quick overview before we jump in you guys might have heard these words before but in case you haven't because i pretended like i knew and i didn't really know (laughs) until i knew so egalitarian very very popular probably has popped up in the past 20 years 20 to 25 years and on paper it sounds really awesome egalitarians they believe in equal worth and value of all individuals regardless of gender race, or social status, okay? And in the context of Christianity, egalitarians advocate for equal treatment and opportunities of women in all areas of the church, church leadership, ministry, including the ordination of women as pastors and priests, okay? And then the traditional complementarism or it's kind of taken on this like patriarchal, you know, view is complementarians believe that men and women are equal but have different roles in the church. Those roles though in the church and in the family are complementary, meaning they complement. They're different and equal, but they and they ultimately complement each other. So same, same role but different. Same, same but different, if you know that movie, <laughs> which I cannot recommend. <laughs> Okay. But when it gets a little dicey is what we've seen is they've they've been men just by their gender have been automatically given a leadership and role of authority in the church while women are called to be supportive and submissive to their husbands and male church leaders, okay? They believe that the role of men and the role of women are established by God biblically and that any attempt to change or challenge these roles as we've kind of maybe seen that Egalitarian movement is a violation of biblical authority, okay? They also argue that the submission of women to men is not a sign. This is important. It's not a sign of inferiority, but rather a reflection of the divine order established by God. So today is not about women in leadership, women in a pastoral role, although I think that would be a really fun one to take on with Kate. Super heavy and thick. Today is really two-sided, and there's some great teachers who go back and forth on both parties. Again, I think this is a, a somewhat tertiary issue, right? We're not discussing the salvation, um, the sacraments of the faith. We're not talking about, is was Jesus a, a true historical figure who quite literally died and rose again? I, I do think this is somewhat of a tertiary issue as far as the church and church leadership, However, what it's most important, though, is how it relates to the family unit and the marital roles that a spouse undertakes, specifically the husband and specifically the wife. And what we're going to do is today's kind of like a hybrid episode. I mean, I wish I could spend an hour, I might, don't tempt me, talking about the Greek, the lexicons, where they hinge, what they meant historically. We're going to do like a 101 version of that. And then what I'm really excited for is I'm going to kind of give a conclusion on where I stand. And then we're going to wrap up with the five practicals. If you're a single man here today and you want to know what you want to train for, you know, if you're going to train for the MLB, the NFL, you want to get into shape. These are the five things that as a husband, you want to prepare to do well. Okay. So the verses today is going to be Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 that's Ephesians 4:15 and 16 and then it's going to be Ephesians 5:22 and then it's going to be Colossians 3:18 okay and so what's interesting about all these verses I think Paul is is alluding to the same analogies in all of them he has laid down a foundation of what it looks like as Christ is the life the health the the source of nutrition for the church and also the the figurative head of the church in every sense And the key word that theologians and egalitarians and complementarians focus on is kephale. Kephale is the Greek word. That means the head. And there's so much debate. This is one of the most loaded words in the whole entire New Testament. And so as a refresher, we'll go ahead and read Colossians 3.18, which is wives submit to your husbands as if fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Um, and then Ephesians four fifteen through 16. Instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, kephale, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And then Ephesians 5. Which is, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, again, is the head of the church. This is a chapter later, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same ways husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, okay. And then again, Ephesians five thirty two uh, 31, 32. Therefore, we'll close on this one uh, at the end of the episode. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Again, same reference, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Woo! Guys, let's just, you know, take a moment to say, The fact that we get to talk about this in a very safe room, a very awesome room where people are are very, very kind, assuming, and really want to be the best man, the best woman they can, the best husband they can is a special thing because these are some of the most disruptive verses ever presented, especially in the time, and what it means and what Christ modeled is so foreign it's so alien to anything that's ever been on the earth since the time it was introduced till today that it does not exist okay that's why the model of headship works in one way it only works in one way and it's when husbands mimic quite literally the actions and behaviors in the heart of christ that's the only way it works headship only works When the husband is submitted to God the Father, submitted to people above him, the headship model only works when the husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church in every sense. That's the only way it works. And any action, any way that that is distorted, any way a man acts outside of that headship model, not as Christ, it brings chaos, destruction, and ruin. And that's what we've seen. Quite literally, that's what we've seen. So when we talk about headship and that loaded word, we have to stop and pause right away and acknowledge that our view of headship is so tainted by sin. It's so tainted by broken men and women who've attempted to make it work without mimicking Christ. That's human headship. Biblical headship is a whole nother thing. Now this word kef- kefale right? This super, super charged word. I'm gonna go off Mike Winger. He's got some great episodes on YouTube. He is like as black and white, let's start the Bible, pour in hundreds of hours of research and talk about it. Really, really great. And he walks through both sides of the arguments and really leaves it up to you to decide. And so I think that's a wonderful way to tackle it in the sense of here's what I think. Here's what is open for debate. I think someone who also does this really well is Tara Lee Cobble in the Bible recap. She gives you her God shot, but leaves it up to you to find yours. What speaks to you from this scripture? But she starts at scripture. Okay. So what does the head here mean? Well, the, the whole argument here is there's a kind of a medical claim that does the head here mean the source of nutrition? As we kind of read in Ephesians 4, there's kind of an illusion that the head here was like the life source. And egalitarians will say they'll make a medical claim that at the time, contextually, that, that the head was the life source of the body, but the heart was the governing center. That was the authority, decision-making organism of the body. It was the heart, not the head. And so when Paul says the man is the head of the life, as Christ is the head of the church, it means he's the life source, but he's not the governing body, which is really important. A man reasoned and purposed with his heart, not his head. This was their understanding at the time. Even Plato, they claim, egalitarians claim, say he had moved the heart as the command center of the body. But what's interesting about that is later in his work, he actually established very, very clearly that the head is the reasonable, logical, ultimate decision maker of the body. The heart is near the head, but the head makes decisions. And so this is kind of important because if the head was a source of life of the body, similar to what we kind of read in Ephesians 4, Christ is the source of life for the body of Christ, the church. So the husband is a source of the wife, kind of in the same sense that Eve was created from Adam. So the husband was the original source of strength, nutrition of marrow for his wife and simply said, you know, that's where there's so much debate. It's like, well, Paul might've said head of his wife in scripture, but you have to understand contextually at the time you know, that's not quite what he meant. He meant, you know, the head in the sense of it was the life source. Well, I I could see that, but historically, here's the other problem with the egalitarian claim here is that there's actually a lot of of evidence, not just from Paul and what he's speaking to when he's already alluded to in Ephesians 4, which is Christ's not just the life source, but he's also something else, which we'll get to in Ephesians 1. But historically, there's actually a lot of evidence that suggests that as far as the neuro study of the brain, the ancient medical examiners and philosophers actually were really far ahead of their time. (laughs) And actually at this time, even in the ancient times in the Greek and Hebrew, they had already established that the head biologically was in charge of the decision-making, the reason, and the common sense, not the heart of the chest. They had a shockingly great sense of that at this time already about the nervous system, actions, speaking, reasoning, common sense. They were all controlled by the brain and the head. So I, I really do think here, as far as the the view of Kefale and the head and the egalitarian sense here is that, hey, hey, he only meant it as the life source nothing about reasoning nothing about executive authority nothing about governing center it's just the head as an analogy of that time and that's where i'm like i just i have i i don't see that and their best arguments here is it's kind of flat in the sense of there's no real evidence to point to that in fact all the evidence kind of points to well no he quite literally meant head in every sense and then the question here you have to ask is well does head does that infer authority that's a great question right so hey even if you didn't mean head there's an argument by the egalitarian sense of well there's no authority indicated right regardless of the medical terminology let's just call it a wash sure it's the head the decision making the reasoning the logical but is there authority or not and it's a great question because Which one is it? Is it one or the other? Is it life source and authority decision making? Is it just life source or is it just the kind of command center? And I think this is where it gets really, really interesting because, again, it's the same letter to Ephesus, Ephesians 1. It goes very in depth talking about how Christ was given to be the head of all things before creation and then he's raised over creation far above kingdoms far above principalities like this is as christians where we get to cheer really really loud because christ has authority over all things and it's a very very clear case it's amazing we we rejoice in this fact that king jesus is worthy to be praised greatly to be praised and worthy is his name because he has authority far above any political faction, any earthly kingdom, any nation, any spiritual principality, this was a big deal. And Jesus specifically is then following this and the total exaltation of his authority. He's also in Ephesians 1 established as the head of the church, which is the life source of the body in Ephesians 4. And also, if Christ is over everything in creation, in the universe, including the church, I think it's clearly both. I think it's pretty clear that the headship, it's almost irrefutable at this point because it's in the same letters that he is referring and affirming the source and the affirmation of authority, executive authority. So here we go, Ephesians 5 in that sense. The husband, I think, like, if we are looking at it from the human headship lens where it's been abused and the husband has authority and it's bad and it's abused, it's not okay. That doesn't work. There's not a world where this is ever okay. Man in the house, executive decision making. I don't care what you say, how you feel. This is it. That's not what God is alluding to. Because here's the question you have to ask Can you love and exercise authority? Can you love and exercise authority? Can you be the source and exercise authority? And I think like you look at Jesus and it's like, well, did he live a life of authority and love? Like, yes, absolutely. And he so much so lived that life of being the source, providing nutrients and wisdom and counsel and love and compassion to the point that he was a servant. His life was dedicated to it to humbling himself, and yet he still had authority, perfectly had authority over everything. And look how he used it. That is a good question. He had all the authority as God. And how did he use it? When he was being, we were just reading it this past weekend, hanging on the cross, being ridiculed. Psychologically, we are reading Mark and he does the best of all the gospels Mark has the best picture of the psychological warfare and hatred and condemnation that Jesus went through being spat on by a person after person walking by. And psychologically, it was so abhorrent. Hey, you are the king who says you are the king. Why don't you come down off that cross and show us? He had all the authority. And what did he do with it? He remained silent and hung. So for my conclusion on biblical headship, I just, you know, this concept is really difficult and it can be hard to understand if you have a tainted picture, a tainted human headship picture. It's really looked at and rightly so when it's used to control, dominate, when it's used to advance a patriarchal agenda, just for that agenda. If we look at it through strictly this lens, it's an abhorrent, awful, disgusting model of marriage. I I truly think the human headship model that we've seen abused, it doesn't just shatter the heart of the father. I really do think this is where you read in Psalms, you read in Paul's teachings about the evil that disgusts God, the evil that we we cannot stand. That is exactly what i think discuss the father because think about it it is the opposite of what jesus did it is that exact opposite of what he was for the church and the body and for you and me and so when you understand headship from a biblical context and a biblical lens i actually think that's where it's quite beautiful and miraculous <laughs> And the aspect of two humans that's been modeled and it, can, and it can actually work if you follow the original design and any deviation from that is chaos. It's miserable because headship is not about superiority or control. That is one of the human misconceptions about headship. It's all about authority and control over the wife. That is absolutely quite literally crucified when he says for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church of his body, which he is the savior inferring he is the savior. And what did he did to become the savior? He was crucified. He died to himself. So it's so misunderstood. And if we look at the context of what he's actually saying and the emphasis here, it's actually on love. It's actually on sacrifice. Just as Christ sacrificially loved and gave himself up for the church. So to husbands should sacrificially love and serve their wives to that degree. The bar has been set, husbands. That is the bar. That's the example of how far you should go. Number two, headship is a position of responsibility and care, like that life source, Ephesians 4. It's a huge aspect of headship that it's actually a honored position of responsibility and care. Just as a physical head is responsible for directing and caring the entire rest of the body, so too should a husband be responsible for directing and caring for his family. This means an active role in leading and guiding his family with a vision and purpose, not letting it be an accident, and then providing and protecting for them. It means prioritizing the needs and the well-being of his family above his own desires. Okay, that's pretty good. I actually like this. I love this model of headship. Man or wife, who's going to stand those two points so far? Number three, headship is about mutual submission. It's important, and we've talked about this, that headship is not a one-sided, right, dominating, controlling relationship. In fact, in Ephesians 5.21, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." And then we've talked about extensively, submit, the husband does not have control over his own body. And likewise, the husband does not have autonomy over her body, submit to one another. Like we've talked about, this shocked the entire world. This was insane teaching because the women never before until that moment had any rights. Never before in that moment had they had any say. They were just property. And so saying that, hey, 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 the ground is even. This is even submission now was was crazy. And it means that the husband should what? <laughs> Listen and consider to his wife's opinion and needs. And that the wife should also mutually respect and support her husband's leadership. It's not about control or dominance, but it's about both sacrificially loving taking responsibility and mutually submitting to one another. And I really think that in that biblical headship, husbands and wives can create a healthy and fulfilling relationship that honors God. It strengthens their bond greater than any other union on earth because it is quite literally a supernatural and divine model that is not achievable without walking, talking, acting, Living your life like Christ. There's nothing like it when both parties walk and talk and act like Christ. There's nothing like it. It is quite literally a supernatural union. It doesn't make sense. It can't make sense unless there is a supernatural God involved. Lastly, I'm going to close with this. This is a long episode. Husbands, future husbands out there training. Listen, when we talk about all that, this is what it looks like if I had to give you a one, two, three, ABC point of view. When you are embracing that biblical model of headship and you're leading well, you're leading effectively, I want you to take a note. This is what it looks like. And after each point, I want the women here and the men here to ask, okay, are we invoking authority in a controlling and domineering sense in this model? You tell me, because I'm super curious. Like, are we asking the women to submit to an executive authority in each of these points that they would hate that they would really not like or my real question for you is Where in the following examples would the egalitarians push back and say that this is an overstep of the husband or better yet the wife is better to own and lead in these buckets that's a good question number one great husbands they are trained with excellence according to god's word God's will and God's purpose, God's intent for marriage, for the role of a husband. Exactly what we just did is a great example. They quite literally study and consume scripture with tenacity. When you read 1 Corinthians 7, when you read Ephesians 5, do you know this as head knowledge? You can write a little essay, a little paper on it. The do's and don'ts have a husband. Or do you know it with the core of your being? Your heart, your soul has been arrested by the truth of God's word. Has it saturated and given life to your spirit? Has it convicted you saying, oof, I, I do not know how I can be a husband that loves his wife as Christ loved the church. I don't know how I could do that without absolutely dying to the core of myself and submitting myself to mentors, to counsel, to godly wisdom, to God himself, to the Trinity. There's no other way I could do that because I have felt and I have received that kind of love and I know there's nothing like it. And I know by my own means, I cannot replicate that. Sometimes I would just say to finish that train with excellence, according to God's words. Sometimes we want to be great single men, We want to be great boyfriends. We want to be great fiancés. We want to be great husbands. But we just don't know how. And I would just say scripture is full of the instruction. Surround yourself with men who emulate that. And then I would just ask, do you really want to be a great husband? Or do you kind of want it? Do you want to be a great father one day or do you kind of want it? Because until you really want it, you're just going to be stuck being where you've always been, just content and where you are, that, that passiveness that we've talked about so often. Number two, wives crave this. Men listening here, just, this is like your, this is like your standard. Be her example. Wives crave an example to follow i mean men do too but in a marriage relationship first timothy 412 okay what we say how we speak to others be an example be an example of how you live with passion and with vision don't just stumble into purpose be an example with how you love unconditionally patiently kindly wisely you're slow to anger You're quick to listen, quick to extend grace. You demonstrate your faith. You live it out loud. You witness to others. You pray for others. You walk in purity, massively purity in thought, actions behind closed doors. The person you are in public is the exact same as the person you are in private. Women want a public husband who is the same husband in private. Number three. Pray for her. Pray for her. This is quite shocking how easy it is to get away from. Ask her, not just to pray for her in quiet, but ask her, hey, how can I pray for you in this season, at this time? And pray with her in person, out loud. It doesn't have to be an hour of intercession, speaking in tongues, laying your hand on her, but it, it means the world to them to just pray for them out loud and encourage them. And I was surprised at how... Little I prayed for my spouse and with my spouse without being intentional. Without being intentional, with no plan, with no tenacity, with no vision. It's amazing how easy it is to go without praying with and for your partner. Number four, initiate spiritual discussion. Hey, if you're going to church, talk about the sermon. Discuss the devotional that you read this morning, what spoke to you, how worship has just been impacting your life. Talk about what's on your mind in your heart what god's teaching you what is god doing in your life initiate that spiritual discussion don't leave it up to her take the reins on that that spiritual discussion number 5 establish a routine devotional time it doesn't have to be every day it doesn't have to be an hour in depth study but the point here is to unite over scripture and discuss what God is highlighting for you. Your marriage is built on the foundation of eternal fellowship with God. This is one of the best ways to continually set up yourself and your spouse for success. I would just ask like all five of those like what wife is going to say no to that? And more importantly, like like what wife would not crave that in a husband? And thirdly, I would ask you guys kind of revealing a little bit of my position for the traditional sense here of like and what five of those buckets consistently would you guys prefer and say it's better for the woman to lead in that sense. And I just ah If you guys have made it to the end of this episode, I'll be honest with you. This is your treat for lasting this whole time. Kate and I in a lot of senses uh listen, she's got a strong will. She's incredibly successful. She works in a ministry capacity, right? With heart of dating and a lot of our lifestyle, we are egalitarian on just things like, you know, cooking and cleaning and household chores and budgets. And we truly believe anybody can run it. And we really don't have a preference either way. But I will say Kate and I had a very candid discussion when prepping for this episode and I'll be completely transparent kate looked at me in the eyes and said you know i am egalitarian but i won't lie i crave a husband who leads in all five of those buckets who leads in vision who leads in planning who leads in fighting for connection and i'm not getting that so in a lot of ways we're egalitarian in our lifestyle And we're egalitarian right now in our sense of marriage and marriage roles. And (laughs) guys, that hit me like a one-ton boulder just on my heart and my soul and my head. And she said it so kindly and so honestly And I'll be honest, for me, when it comes to vision, I've talked about this before. I've inherited Heart of Dating and the platform and getting to speak to you guys, which I love. But I didn't labor away for five years for it. It wasn't my vision that I birthed. And it's been amazing. And we kind of co-parented together. But, you know, Kate put in the blood, sweat, and tears. You know, I I inherited a lot of it. And I think Kate craves that same tenacity and vision with, with what she has lived her life. And that's where as a man, I'm, I am so challenged to step up because I, I hear that from my wife, my precious wife, who I love and it's, Hey, like, I just gave you the wide open, you know, hundred, you think about like the gates of Valhalla or like heaven, just wide open door for you to step through and rise to the occasion as a man, as a husband, as a leader of this family, how are you going to respond? So I hope that's a good challenge to you guys today. I mean, that just, that was a, <laughs> not just like a bag of bricks. It was like a couple tons of bricks, you know, that I've just, I've just been marinating and saturating that for a couple of days now. And, um, I just want to share that with you guys. I think it's completely safe, you know, to share with you guys, be transparent. You guys, after all made it so far in this episode. I thought it would be fun to to hand out to you because, you know, in case you couldn't tell on some of these, I think I came to this egalitarian and complementary, you know, debate wide open with, hey, you know, either one could be the truth. But I I just want to go to scripture first and see um, and start there, whether I like it or not, whether my personal preference or opinion, you know, before I started this journey was right or not, I don't care. I I just, I want to start the Bible first and then form my opinion. And, and that's kind of how I've arrived to where I am. And, um, so yeah, nice ambiguous way to leave you guys hanging on where I stand, but I hope it was at least thought provoking and challenging for you guys today. So have a wonderful day guys. I I'm sure we'll do much more episodes on this in the future and I hope it bless you guys. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a wonderful weekend. Let's go.